This is a Boathouse Studios podcast. To support this podcast and other podcasts like it, visit patreon.com slash boathouse studios or subscribe to Boathouse Studios on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your ear content. That's Boathouse Studios, B-O-A-T-H-A-U-S Studios, house spelt the German way. Oh, hi. It's me. I'm Greg. It's Greg. Yay. I made it. Um, I'm oh, it's, I'm Greg, and I'll I'll chime in after you're done introducing everything. Um, oh, that's fine. Unless you want me to right now, in which case I'd be more than happy to. Okay. <laughs> we're Greg, the, we're sorry. the Cinevals, and here at this podcast, we review... Uh, do we review eventually? We view. We view we Val view. Kilmer movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. View... Mm-hmm. The Val. Yes. <laughs> is a much view to worse, a Kilmer. <laughs> view to a Kilmer, <laughs> which are both uh, uh, oh, damn. alternative, a... better or worse uh, titles for this podcast. Yeah. Well, okay. Cinevals is, is good because it's not exactly any one particular movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, a View to a Kilmer is perfect if he was James Bond. Yes. At some point. I think you would have made a great James Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if we were talking like... Like the era where he could have been James Bond, like uh, 1997. Yeah. Instead yeah. of if instead of the saint, he made die another day. Mm. Sorry, not that one. Uh, Tomorrow never dies. Mm. That would have been the one that was just about to come out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But then we wouldn't have had the saint, and it would have truly been the darkest timeline. It's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us today. Lovely. Uh, do we have names for our fans yet? Do you guys have names? Uh, the the uh the kill the kill kill me softly Ooh, no the the valentines the valentines that's nice yeah my funny valentines perfect uh ali as you mentioned we are going to be looking at the movie heat from 1995 yes and before we get into i have a quick little uh val update Mm. uh only update in the sense that it is more recent than 1995, All right. but it is from 2005. All right. So we're about 14 years out yep. from this particular update, but it is new to me. Uh, this is a little uh, segment of an interview from a 2005 Esquire mm-hmm. uh, magazine uh, issue. It is written by Chuck Klosterman. Uh, this was given to me by our... Uh, oh, I've heard this one. This is in Sex, have. Drugs, and, po- and Cocoa Puffs. This is in his book. It is. Ooh. Yeah, it's very good. Nice. Uh, this was uh, forwarded along to me by uh, our Val source on the streets, uh, Brayden G. That Excellent. might be a little bit too specific, so I'll call him uh, B. Griffiths. It's a little bit more anonymous. <laughs> yeah. Listen to Two Bad Neighbors. <laughs> Uh, and Allie, uh, if you want to help me out in reading this segment, I will, uh, I'll read, I'll read all of Chuck Klosterman's interview, uh, little questions here and you can read, uh, Val Kilmer's parts. I will parts. be partaking in the role of 
Valerie Kilmer. <laughs> Perfect. All right. You mean you think you literally had the experience as Doc Holliday? Oh, sure. It's not like I believed that I shot somebody, but I absolutely know what it feels like to pull the trigger and take someone's life. You understand how it feels to shoot someone as much as a person who has actually committed a murder. I understand it more. It's an actor's job. I don't question that you can more effectively represent it, but that's not the same thing. If you were talking to someone who's in prison for murder and the guy said, man, it really fucks you up to kill another person, do you think you could reasonably say, I completely know what you're talking about? Oh, yeah. I know what he's talking about. Let's say someone made a movie about you, Val Kilmer, and they cast Jude Law in the lead role. By your logic, wouldn't this mean that Jude Law, if he succeeded in the role, would therefore understand what it means to be Val Kilmer more than you do? No, because I'm an actor. The people in those other circumstances don't have the self-knowledge. Well, what if it were a movie about your young life before you became an actor? I guess I'd have to say yes. Great. He's just the best, isn't he? <laughs> isn't that great? How do we feel about that one? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He also owned a lot of buffalo at the time. I don't know if that... A he owned a lot of buffalo? Yeah, I learned that. Like meat or animals? Animals. That okay. would then be turned into meat. We could talk about buffalo farming for a bit if we wanted to. Mm, I think we'll save that for a buffalo-relevant uh, podcast. Perhaps yep. Tombstone. That's yeah. just something that he and I have in common, is all. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. We both had buffalo. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> That's a teaser for uh, Greg's next appearance on the podcast. Yep. I'm on Tombstone? Yeah. That's, a, that's an assumption. Well, she yeah, just... We'll see. Kind of... <laughs> it seemed like the most Buffalo related, but I've never seen Tombstone, so... No, me It either. is the most Buffalo related. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But what a bananas interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Wow, there was more, but that was really... That was an electric uh, section wow. of it, so I think it... I think that really just speaks for itself. <laughs> I don't really have anything to say about it that it doesn't already just do by existing. Oh. Wow. I mean, do you think he ever gets, like, PTSD from shows? Yeah, probably. Well, well, maybe not, because then by his own logic, um, actor-wise, you'd kind of get all of the, the good, let's say, parts of mm -hmm. being able to perform the roles but without the actual real life uh like lingering consequences perhaps well, yeah i don't know i don't know i would argue that like some roles really fuck up actors oh yeah no for sure i <sighs> i do agree with that but i mean like by his logic oh yeah i feel like that yeah is very compartmentalized mm -hmm, yes. mm -hmm. yeah uh but perhaps we'll move on to the film we are talking about today yeah Heat. And how uh, we are we are going on to this right after Red Planet because it is part, part of the Sizemore saga. Saga. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. Yep. So this movie came out in 1995. Red Planet came out in 2002. 2000. 2000. 2000. 2000. Five years. There's only five years between uh, those two movies. Yeah. Wow. That um, one of the one of the best things about you guys doing this is you can trace the meteoric rise uh, and extremely fast fall mm. of uh, very, very prominent Hollywood celebrity. Mm -hmm. um, he was 
what, Batman Forever was like his 11th film. Yeah. He was Batman by the time he, before, like just as soon as he got into double digits, Batman. Yeah. And then this one. Same yeah. year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same year. He's in the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> but how do you really feel? Greg? Yeah. You, um, I, I think it's the greatest movie ever made. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. I think this movie is perfect. Yeah. I do. And I can go into all sorts of reasons why, um, I have lots to say. But first, mm-hmm. for those of uh, uh, our Valentines who haven't seen uh, Heat, mm-hmm. uh, if you were to describe this, the plot of Heat in three sentences, what would mm-hmm. it be? Who are you asking? I think that should be a question Greg. for the room. Okay. Um, I would describe the plot of Heat as an intimate look at the lives of criminals and the law enforcement officials that pursue them and how we discover that there are two sides of the same coin. There you go. Camille? Pacino. De Niro. Guns. It's a long time. Young Portman. Dot, 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 (laughs) question mark. Get ready, Los Angeles. (laughs) Great. Mine sounds like it was translated from French into Spanish and then eventually English. (laughs) Yeah. And then into binary. That was great. Great. Predictive text (laughs) of the heat plot. Yeah. 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 Allie? Uh, criminals got a crime, police gonna police. <laughs> yeah. Tale as old as time. Yep. Indeed. Yep. Uh, Who's one the of... beauty? Who's the beast? Oh, I think you Val just... Kilmer's both. Yeah. <laughs> but I noticed you falling a little bit for Mr. De Niro in this movie. He's very attractive in this movie. He's. Yeah. I don't know if I have ever been attracted to Robert De Niro before, but I was a little bit in this film. Mm. He wears that jacket really well, like yeah. that suit jacket. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a this this movie. Oh my god, this movie's so fucking good. Um, <laughs> this movie starts like everything that Michael Mann is going to be known for, and everything that people are going to start um, copying him on, just like whole cloth. This movie comes out doesn't do very well. Mm. Isn't initially that well received. People are like, oh, it's the it's the long awaited um, uh, battle between uh, De Niro and Pacino. And it's not um, it's not a huge box office success. None of Michael Mann's movies really are. Um, And it's it's not super well received. A lot of people thought it was going to be an awards player. It wasn't at all. But 10 years later. Specifically, 13 years later, Christopher Nolan basically remakes Heat and casts Batman in it, and it's called The Dark Knight, and it breaks the world. Heat is pretty much just The Dark Knight. What? What? Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. (laughs) Heat is... uh, The Dark Knight is Heat, except there's a guy dressed as Batman who comes in and just like, Oh, Batman. Is Batman... 
Robert De Niro or Al Pacino? No, he would be Pacino in this situation. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and and the Joker would be De Niro and his whole crew. Uh, in this case, who's Val Kilmer? Well, that's what I mean. A Joker is kind of like a an amalgamation of all of the guys in De Niro's crew into one. Okay. Because he's like a crazy person. Oh. Um, he's, but so within this analogy, there's a microcosm of identity. The John Cusack movie. Yeah. Right. Obviously. Precisely. Yes. Right. Exactly right. Um, and uh, I'm I'm so glad you've seen Identity. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> I've been home at 3 p.m. In, in the year 2004. <laughs> I've seen Identity. I, I had, had TBS. I had a channel, Greg. Yeah. 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 The prime ticket movie. Very good. Uh, now, Greg, uh, yeah. what other movies do we know uh, Michael Mann from directing? Okay. Well. Um, you might know him from here. They all come in sequential order. What thief, are the run times? Uh, thief is a tight two hours. The Keep is 90 minutes long, and that's a horror movie. Um, Manhunter, which is the original Hannibal Lecter movie. It's the right. first movie that Hannibal Lecter was yes. actually appeared in. Um, that clocks in, I think, at just over two hours. Um, Last of the Mohicans with Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, in between all of these, he did sh- he did a couple of uh, television movies, the Jericho Mile, L.A. Takedown, and he was the executive producer on Miami Vice. Um, and so after Last of the Mohicans, he takes a couple years off, does Heat, mm-hmm. then which is 171 minutes, 169 minutes, something like that. And then he does The Insider, which is also nearly three hours long. And then he does Ali, with Will Smith, and that doesn't go over very well. And then he does Collateral, which might be his only true box office hit. Hmm. You guys seen Collateral? What's I think I saw the type Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx. I think I get that and Minority Report mixed up. Oh yeah. Well, they're 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 so different. They're well, so Tom different, Cruise they're is almost the same. Yeah. Uh, Tom Cruise is the villain in Collateral. And he's got gray <gasps> hair. Yeah. Which will never happen. So. Of course not. Yeah, he's he's rocking the villain role in Collateral. It's one of my favorite Tom Cruise performances, and um, I'm sure you guys will be doing a Tom Cruise in podcast at some point. Obviously, um, after Uncaged, yeah, of course, yeah. Any hoot, and then he does um, Miami Vice, which a lot of people don't like, with the uh, Jamie Fox, Jamie Fox, and Colin Farrell. Mm. Um, this is like. At the very end of his leading man run, Colin Farrell's, ah. um, where he kind of goes to um, uh, get sober up and, and stuff mm-hmm. after that. Uh, and then after Miami Vice, he does Public Enemies, and then he does Black Hat, which I think we watched with your dad, actually. It was that movie with Chris Hemsworth, and uh, it looked it was really gray, and they just it's a, it's a hacker movie. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway... It's not important. What is important is Heat. Great. Because Heat has Val Kilmer in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it also has some of the funnest billing I've ever seen on a movie poster before. Explain. I want to show it to you. Um, so on the movie poster, mm-hmm. there are three names above the title. Mm-hmm. There is Al Pacino. There's mm-hmm. Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. Same spacing between them, mm-hmm. as you would expect. Of course. But then, look where they put Val Kilmer. I'm going to describe this for our listeners here. So as Greg, as Greg said, uh, very, very t- tippy top of the poster, Al Pacino, 
top right, Robert De Niro, spaced out very nicely. Then center of the poster, as some might say the most powerful place in the poster, just says Val Kilmer, right in the middle. Mm -hmm. He doesn't share billing with... Uh, with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, who share a build title card. Yeah. He's the first one with his solo title card. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously, Al, uh, it's it's Al Pacino and Robert De Niro's movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie is very much two films, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Two films stuck together into one with different characters overlapping mm-hmm. in, in, different, in different ways. One of the reasons uh, this is, as I mentioned after we watched the film, is that it was originally written as a television pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because, well, TV pilots were a lot different back in the day. Mm-hmm. They would make basically television movies. Yes. And if they didn't get picked up, they would send them off and just make them into actual television movies. Mm-hmm. So they would like do a reshoot, do an ending, right. and then it would be done. Huh. But this one is a remake of L.A. Takedown, which I haven't actually seen all the way through. But I have seen the diner scene. Ooh, how oh, is so it? that remains very bad. Ah, it's, it's very bad. Ooh. The script is almost the exact same. Really? Yeah. What changed to make it good? Movie stars. Great. Ah, yes. Yeah. It's amazing what a couple of amazing movie stars can do. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, the direction. Like, uh, L.A. Takedown is a television movie, and it feels like one. Heat is a It's a piece of art. Like, Heat is gorgeous to look at. It's gorgeous to listen to, and it's brilliantly performed, and I am taking up too much time. So. No, you're perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's why we had you on. Now get out. Okay. <laughs> We're just going to talk about Val Kilmer's ponytail for another 25 minutes. Well, oh, he's, yeah. he has the first line in the movie, and his ponytail's on full display. Yeah. It is. When he's picking up the uh, the explosives for the for the armored truck heist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things about Michael Mann movies, is there's... Heists? Is, well, the heists, but also there's pretty much no exposition. Oh, yeah. And the, exp- mm-hmm. and the expository dialogue is all jargon. Mm. You know what I mean? So much jargon in this yeah. movie. We had to turn on subtitles because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Oh, it's just like various cop slang and then crime slang. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like uh, they're all me like a cheap suit. It's like, how, did, could, can you throw them? It's like, I don't know. They're doing parallels. It's like, what the hell does that mean? Uh, I don't care. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Movie's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that it's missing is I think is a is a car chase through the L.A. canals, but Terminator 2 just came out, so... Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, Ali, you mentioned earlier about um, being surprised, attracted to uh, Robert De Niro in this movie. Yes. I would also counter that with, like, as surprisingly attractive uh, Robert De Niro is, Al Pacino is so gross. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Great performance. Just fucking repulsive. Worse than Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, just he, gross to look at. He kind of reminded me of like uh, Peter Capaldi in Doctor Who. Like the tail end? Yeah. Peter Capaldi at the tail end of his time as Doctor Who, but if, like, but Peter Capaldi's evil twin. Because, <laughs> yeah. Just like with the hair and like the really wide eyes, like Al Pacino's just so bananas Mm -hmm. he's really crazy in this movie and i really want to talk to you guys about about his performance because it was it was looked at as being 
really over the top when when it came out. Like it was mm-hmm. one of the big criticisms of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I've read almost every Rotten Tomatoes review of this movie. <laughs> How many are there? Perfect. I, I think there's eighty some. Wow. I just really loved reading all about everything I could find on this movie. Mm-hmm. I've watched the special features like twelve times. Um, we watched this movie on DVD. Yeah, we did. I had a really great time putting it into the DVD player and everything. It was like a vinyl record. Yeah, we got to explore the interactive menus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This movie had special made interactive menus mm. featuring clips that aren't even in the film. <gasps> Craig, mm. now, this is something we didn't get to when the DVD was in. Are there Easter eggs on the DVD? Like if you go if you go all the way down on the very last category and then over to the right, like Al Pacino's crazy eyes light up. And you're like, oh, there's like <laughs> their screen tests or something. Um, no, nothing, nothing quite like that. The the maybe one of the best Easter eggs is the is or special features really. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a selling point of the DVD for me. Was they do an actual like breakdown of the diner scene? Mm. Oh, like like there's like a documentary crew doing the whole like making of on the set there mm-hmm. and that's where you get them actually sitting at the table together in a one shot and you actually have Michael Mann sitting there with the script between them mm-hmm. and being like and, and like talking to them and giving them um, feedback and direction and everything like that and that's where you because they're like there was like one of those um, one of those reddit conspiracy theories going around for a little while that they actually weren't on set together because they never have, they're never shown in the same frame in the diner scene. Okay. Technically. Like, like if it was a Red Planet's Kilmer Sizemore situation. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but you do see them in the same frame when he pulls him over mm-hmm. and he says, like, what do you say we go get a cup of coffee? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know what that was all about. And then, like, they even made a huge poster of it. Mm-hmm. Of of them sitting across from each other at the diner, they just never used the wide shot. I think it was because Man wanted it just to be them. He didn't want it to be. Uh, he didn't even want it want it to feel like they were in in a public place. Mm-hmm. He, I think he wanted it to be like it was literally just the two of them, mm-hmm. and everything else is out of focus in the background, mm-hmm. and like even the sound, the Foley sound seems like it's turned down. Mm-hmm. way way down so that these guys mm-hmm. can just focus on telling each other who they are and what they're up against. Yeah. And if you don't see them in the same frame, it's like much easier to build that feeling of it's like them versus like they're at odds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's no middle ground. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. <laughs> Greg just made a check mark by Ali's name. <laughs> Don't really know what that's about. <laughs> Camille, your name has three uh, frowny faces and oh. a pirate ship. A pirate ship? Uh, it's, it's a curve the, system. Uh, Don't worry about it. Uh, 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 why is mine written in red ink? Oh, God. It looks like Greg's blood. I just God. have a lot of blood. Oh, uh, can we also mention at this point what a stacked fucking cast is oh, in this movie? Oh, my gosh. I think there are... Over a dozen solo, solo build credit cards mm. uh, on the at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. um, where Michael Mann is shooting at a Los Angeles train station, one of the rare sites in Los Angeles, I'm sure, because mm-hmm. nobody takes the train in Los Angeles. But of course. Um, but it's like he's gonna shoot everywhere in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and it's and you're gonna 
fucking love it. It's going to be great. Can I swear on this podcast? No. no. Oh, okay. It's okay. You'll edit it in post. Yeah, it's all right. I'll bleep it out. Yeah. Great. For every um, <laughs> for every swear, can you just have uh, Camille saying Val Kilmer? <laughs> I just need a clean one. Okay. Yeah. Val Kilmer. God damn it. Now I have to do it. <laughs> there you go. I'd also like that to be my text alert. <laughs> oh, wait. I'll, I'll give you one with a, a little bit of a, a fear behind it. Phil Kilmer. <laughs> Great. Uh, just for uh, anyone who's interested at home who's like, I don't know if I want to watch Heat. Uh, this is an interesting uh, conversation, but what kind of other celebrities could sway me besides the three very big movie stars we've already mentioned. Yes. There's also, in case anyone's wondering, Ashley Judd, Natalie Portman, Amy Brenneman, John Voight, Tom Sizemore, Ted Levine, a uh, bunch of other people that Greg recognized that I didn't, so I'm just <laughs> not going to give them any time here. Danny Trejo's in it, Hank Azaria. Others. Jeremy Piven, for a sec. Yeah, the Wes, guy who, Wes Studi. Mm-hmm, the guy who voices the lizard in Fern Gully. Is that confirmed? Yep, I confirmed <gasps> it. It's yes. confirmed. Yeah. Yeah, so uh stacked cast. Yep. This is Ashley Judd's first big uh, It's her big first film. majorly featured role, but I want to talk a little bit about Ashley Judd. That's that's something I'd love to uh, yeah. I just want to bring up her filmography to make sure I'm not talking out my butt here. Yeah, it's only her third film according to Wikipedia. Okay. Um and so this would be her On the Rise. So the same year, she'll do Smoke with Harvey Keitel, and then she'll do a movie called The Passion of Darkly Noon. But then in 1996, a year after this, riding high off of her performance in Heat, she will do A Time to Kill, thus creating pretty much a subgenre unto herself. Yes, that's true, which she just sticks in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's un. I, I, it's, it's cool that she's able to do that, mm-hmm. but I also think it's a huge shame that no one really found something for her or she wasn't allowed to stretch herself mm-hmm. because in this movie, I think she's really showing something that we don't necessarily get to see a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, she was I in guess- that one Marilyn Monroe movie. It was, which one was that? Uh, the one with her and Mira Sorvino. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Where they played uh, Marilyn and uh, Norma yes. Jean, respectively. Yes. Cool. Do you know what, what that's what called? Uh, I want to say like Marilyn, Marilyn Norma. Yeah, something Normie like that. and Mary. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll do. Hmm, she'll do these these movies like. Um, these ones that that we've watched, I think, several several times, mm-hmm. uh, movies like that are Double Jeopardy, Double Jeopardy, Kiss fucking, the Girls, I fucking love Double Jeopardy. Yeah, this yeah this movie has like one of the most stacked casts I've ever seen. And while I was in while I was in high school, this this movie was basically my everything. Mm-hmm. It was it was the the kind of movie that I wanted to make. It was the kind of movie that I thought was. Just, just the greatest. It's the kind of movie that you tried to make on several occasions. Is yeah, that right. Failed. <laughs> Can you uh, regale Camille with some of the titles of your failed projects? Must, must I? <laughs> oh, please do. I mean, uh, I'm sure the Valentines would love would love it. Okay, so the tagline to 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 Heat is uh, 
a Los Angeles crime saga. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun to make up a, a city that that was about crime? And that I basically started an extended universe in high school and made uh, about 12 movies that took place in this universe. What was the city? Lost Haven. Oh, that's pretty good. I was thinking so you were like, gonna go like Crimetopia. Ooh, so like Los Angeles. Yeah, Lost he- Heaven. Lost Heaven. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Wasn't subtle. It was very on the nose. Yes. One of the films was called Lost Haven Two Eleven, as you might have picked up in the opening bank in the opening armored car robbery of heat the um the the armored car guards uh radio in on their radios and they say 211 211 we are being held up it is the uh it is the call sign for a armored holdup mm. mm. uh armed holdup mm-hmm. um so we were like let's let's do that not knowing that 211 didn't really have anything to do with bank robberies we did actually um stage a few bank robberies for that movie uh they're literally just one of my friends running out of a scotia bank (laughs) (laughs) and what's cut out is the teller like sir you've forgotten your scene debit card (laughs) sir young sir boy i say boy (laughs) and the other one that is featured in that film is a bank robbery where two of my other friends walk across the street and walk into an RBC. Ah, of course. See one coming out and the other's going. Anyway. What um, did you use for like the teller? Like what did you use for the bank interior shots? Oh, there were none. Oh, okay. You just assumed that it happened because we smash cut to it being over. You see, because that was at a time where we had matured enough as filmmakers that I knew that we couldn't use my kitchen for an interior of a bank anymore. We'd already done it several (laughs) times. Of course. And as every good filmmaker knows, it's not just about what's on screen. It's Mm. also about what's off screen. Exactly right. Yeah. Mm. Do we really want to see yet another by the numbers bank hold up when mm. we can see everything that goes on after that. Exactly. I bent over backwards to make make these decisions seem artistic. <laughs> the other movie that we made was called Crime. <laughs> yeah. Uh this movie was a full-length feature film. It was 72 minutes long. What? Yeah. It was 72 minutes long, Mm -hmm. featured interweaving crime stories from all over the city of Lost Haven, a.k.a. me driving up and down the streets of Calgary, shooting exterior night shots, and then just walking around the streets of Cochrane at night. Great. Um, It's amazing what lights can do. Um, And then... It all, you know, culminates in a in a cops versus robbers sort of story, and mm-hmm. it ends with a song by Moby called "God Moving Over the Face of the Waters." Hmm. Well, the credits roll. Great, of course. And a uh, character stares contemplatively out into the middle distance. 
Um, will you be releasing this as a Patreon? Uh, never no tier? no never are you sure i'm absolutely sure what yeah. if there's a one thousand dollar patreon subscriber patron okay if we get there sure great sure i'll i'll release it if, if we got up to a thousand dollars a month sure i'll release crime the director's <laughs> cut because there were three cuts a, of this with movie. With a live Wait. commentary? Whoa. Uh, like a theatrical release, <laughs> a director's cut, and uh Ultimate cut. The final cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. What are the differences between you, the cuts? And did well, you do a commentary for each of them? Yes. I did a commentary for the ultimate cut. Of course you did. Oh, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh boy, I feel embarrassed now. But it, Why? it was. It's all like it all goes to show that this that this movie um, really inspired me to make something. It made it made me want to go out and do something. It made me want to point a camera at at something and tell and tell a story. It might not have been completely original, but it did spur on my imagination and rather than wanting to go and rob a bank i wanted to go out and pretend to because i thought they were really fun stories and really cool adventures to tell Mm -hmm. um like it was very much very much had a lot to do with like uh with with like pulp fiction where like you can you can you can do a uh, a movie about like uh, about like the the seedy underbelly of society, but it's like it's all tongue in cheek, or in this case, it's all sixteen year olds. <laughs> so who cares? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. It was it was a good way to hang out with my friends and not do drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's um, the uh, 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 imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I agree. And uh, one of my favorite authors when I was a kid, uh, Terry Brooks, his first book was just like, he's admitted, it's just like him trying to write Lord of the Rings. Um, And so he, once he got that out of his system, he was able to like move on to, you know, more nuanced and better stuff. Um, And, and yeah, so... It's just nice to know that he had more in his system. I didn't really. That's not true. You evolved. I made a Western. Just look at, just look at the the Rufus. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Check out our Rufus videos, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. To answer your question, Camille, the difference between the cuts of, of this particular film was uh, the theatrical cut was 45 minutes long because I was handing it in to school uh, and they said... We're not going to watch a 75-minute movie. <laughs> That's longer than a whole period. Yeah. Uh, they were like, trim it down. And I was like, but my vision. And... <laughs> These damn producers. Yeah. And uh, so I made like I'm, I made the the 75-minute cut. Then I realized there were a couple of mistakes in it. Then I cut it back down again by three minutes to uh, give you the ultimate cut. So, ta-da. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. Also, in case anyone's wondering... Uh, Rufus is a sad green puppet who lives in our house. <laughs> he can be found on YouTube. Um, so on the uh, topic of heat, uh, Greg, you are filled with fun facts about this movie. Yeah. And one of them um, that I don't think we've mentioned on the podcast yet is you did mention that this is literally all location. Yeah. yeah. There are no sets and you said no sound stages anywhere in this one. movie. This three hour movie yep. that 
Wow. And they're changing locations constantly. And they're all so cool. Like when they're at the shipping yard. Oh, it's like, yeah, that that didn't need to be at an actual shipping yard. Mm -hmm. Even the major crimes unit, the robbery and homicide department that we go back to a couple of times Mm -hmm. is really interesting looking. It's like a concrete bunker. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I defy you to find another movie that actually has a, has a, 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 a police department look like that because mm-hmm. it looks really bad. It's like I don't want to work here. No, but this is where Pacino's character lives. Mm-hmm. It's wow. And their houses that we go to mm-hmm. are very nineties and very kind of seventies at the same time. They're, yeah, uh, they're so Robert weird. De Niro's house doesn't have furniture. Yeah, and it looks like it's a boat because it's just there's so it's many like windows right it's on, on the, water. the ocean. <laughs> By choice. Right, like yeah. he 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 says that he doesn't have any furniture by choice. Yeah, um, I think Pacino's character says it best, like with his like her ex husband's postmodern Art Deco bullshit house. Mm-hmm. There's a few of them in this movie. Yeah, I think the Nero's is one of them. <laughs> yeah, I think where Treo's house is is also kind of another one. It's the house on stilts. Yeah, yeah, it's the house on stilts. You know, crime pays until you until you get shot. Until you die. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure does. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Al Pacino's house in this movie is so bananas. Yeah, and we're it's meant like to all dark gray, and mm-hmm. like there's staircase, there's like spiral staircases coming out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and like the bedroom is j- like just the bed is in the middle of the room. Yeah, and uh, oh, yeah, there's it's a lot of like glass. Yeah. Middle of the room. Yeah. Fixtures. Yeah. It looks like a house. Like if I were to go on a Tinder date with someone and they were to bring me back to that house, I'd be like, oh, I need to leave. Otherwise, I'm going to get murdered. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's a murder house. Yeah. 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 It looks like a house like a, that. Like a classy murder house. Yeah. Like Christian Bale's character in American Psycho. Yeah. And you're like, you're well to do. And you're like, oh, because I got all these axes. Get yeah. out of there um, before he turns on the Whitney Houston. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's really yes. a great movie. Feed me a strike hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. They say it in the special features, but the like big monologue that he gives over the phone mm-hmm. to no one, like yeah. the very like the, the crux of the movie yeah. is like the second day of shooting. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it's batshit crazy. What? Okay. Yeah. Well, we should save that for our bailed out. out. Hey! hey nice. Uh, I want to ask you guys about the because you you both had like really good eyes for this um, the the green screen scene. Yes, because it's clearly green screened. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's I think that's just our 2019 eyes being yes. smarter than 1995 eyes. Yeah. Yes. And this is the last movie that he will make that shot almost exclusively on film. I think mm-hmm. there's like one or two scenes that that actually have digital in it mm-hmm. and then and it's that like it's that it's that other scene where that you said that shot? yeah that says that this looks like it's in a video game yeah and it like just strafes down to a car that's just driving away what a meticulously planned shot yeah and it's gorgeous and in the insider he'll start using digital a lot more and what he starts doing is something that he obviously wanted to do in heat but the the technology wasn't there yet which is walk next to characters with a camera an inch away from their face. Mm. 
Like, so that mm. everything is claustrophobic. And, like, when Russell Crowe was walking and you're first introduced to him in The Insider, you barely see his face because you're so close to it. Like, you can't really get a read on him. Mm. But you know that something's wrong and you know that something's putting this character on edge just because of how it's how close it is. And you wouldn't have been able to do that without digital cameras because they're lighter. Yeah. So... He will also start using uh, digital cameras for Ali when he starts shooting at night a lot. Mm. And then collateral is when it really like, blah, mm. digital everything. And people look at collateral and they're like, this, at the time, they were like, mm. this kind of looks cheap. If you look at it now, you're like, this is so cool. It's mm. so cool that they have a movie that looks like this with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx in it. <laughs> And yeah. how would you how would you describe that look? It's this, um, you know, that sense that you get where everything has like where the the movie has a like slightly too high frame rate and everything mm -hmm. feels a little bit too smooth. Yeah, it's that feeling as okay. well as the feeling of well, not feeling. It's just everything's in focus, foreground and background. Ooh. It's like okay. it's in focus. So like I think the idea is that you can get a real sense of Los Angeles. Because collateral also takes place in Los Angeles. Right. And so you can see this majestic city at night. Mm -hmm. It just stretches on forever and ever and ever. Um, and it's in focus, so you can see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, you can film at night with digital and not have to use stage lights. You can use, like, the city lights. Ah, okay. You can because yeah, the because yeah. you can just like the 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 way they pick it up is is weird. Like you're gonna lose quality, but you're still gonna pick it up. Yeah, right. And you were saying that's why the particular green screens in this movie that were really obvious, at least like to Ellie and I's eyes, um, were all of those ones On at night were uh, Robert De Niro and uh, Lady Love, like Sherry. Edie, Edie sharing some moments and it was a lot of like Ooh, what's going on here oh yeah they're in front of a green screen uh and you mentioned that's because it's if it was shot if or when it was shot on film because it was still filmed yeah. in location it just those background lights are just they're just dim they don't pop they're not in focus okay yeah yeah they're just like they're they're like fuzzy lights hmm. they're a lot sharper with the green screen mm -hmm. okay. and so he was like yeah i'll give it up i'll give up the the quality of it just so you can see the city. You can see right. my city. Yeah. Also, it's like this weirdly romantic scene that is kind of yeah, was, uh... out of another movie in a way. Yeah. And it's a real turning. It's supposed to. It feels like it's supposed to stick out because yeah. it's a real turning point for De Niro's character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's speak about the, there's a couple of rom relationship, romantic relationships. <laughs> a few ships that were built. Yeah, uh, that were, yeah, absolutely, uh, in this movie. So the main ones being uh, Robert De Niro's character and Edie, mm -hmm. um, played by Amy Brenneman, and um, Val Kilmer and Ashley Judd mm -hmm. are a cup. Easily the best, uh, I, I think they're the best couple portrayed in the film. Oh, yeah. They're the most exciting the, to watch, for yeah. sure. Um, and then uh, Al Pacino and uh, his wife with bangs. Diane Venora. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Not Demi mm -hmm. Moore. She was in a bunch of movies in the 90s and then just stopped making them. She was really... Uh, she, you could see her in William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet, a Baz Luhrmann film by Baz Luhrmann. Ah, uh, of course. Yeah. 
uh, she plays uh, Lady Capulet. Yes. Oh, totally. And she's also in The Insider, mm. playing Russell Crowe's wife, mm. a.k.a. the worst role in the whole movie. Why? Michael Mann is, I don't know if you noticed in this mm. movie, <laughs> but I think you might have. He's not great at writing women at all mm. and um, and didn't really try for a while but when he did start trying it got a little better um there's a decent uh there's one no two two decent roles in miami vice gong lee is utterly phenomenal Mm -hmm. in that movie and naomi harris is is pretty good in that movie um marion cotillard in public enemies pretty good but there's like that weird johnny depp thing that i can't really get over with that movie anymore Mm. and then viola davis in black hat she's very good Mm. in black hat um i don't think he originally wrote it as a female part Mm. but then he met viola davis and was like bam Mm. yeah do you think that's why the role was better probably Mm. yeah Yeah. probably he he's like it's never like he's (laughs) an he's a grandpa he's a like a 75 year old man um 75-year-old Michael Mann? Yeah, Michael Mann <laughs> from, from Chicago. Like, he's just like, yeah, I just want to make movies about banks and, and robberies. Yeah. And uh, and and uh, his whole thing is like men doing jobs well. That's it. That's his thing. He just really likes... doesn't matter if you're a bank robber, if you're a cop, if you're a hitman, if you're an insider. Mm-hmm. Or if you're an Ali. Mm-hmm. He's going to... Well, like just Jada Pinkett Smith comes in for like five minutes in Ali and is really great. But she's only in it for five minutes, which is a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Anyway, I forgot what my point was with that. But, uh, oh, Diane Venora. Mm-hmm. I think she's really good in this movie in a in a role that could have easily been really, really bad. Yeah, she's yeah. great. The performances are all Great. And uh, Natalie Portman plays uh, Al Pacino's young stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. How old is she in this movie, we think? Like 14, 15? Yeah. Max? Yeah. Kind of thing. She's great. Like, they're all, the performances are all great. Yeah. Characters are. She's two years removed yeah. from starting Phantom Menace. Really? She was that young when she started Phantom Menace? Yeah. Pre production on Phantom Menace was, in, was starting up in 97. And then they would start shooting. So, like, two or three years removed from actually. Wow. It's been a really long time since I've seen Phantom Menace. Yeah. You should watch it again. No, thanks. It's really bad. (laughs) I'm good. Just skip straight to Attack of the Clones, then. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. That's the best. No. Yeah, get right to the money. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you want to slide really nicely the Return of the Sith. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah, not Revenge of the Sith? great. Return of the Sith. Revenge. Revenge of the Sith. Revenge. See, revenge Sith. is something that Sith Slip. do. Sith. Yeah. Yes. Returning Return is something that Jedi, Jedi do, or oh, being me. the last. Oh, okay, yes. pardon yeah. me. Or being the last. Okay. <laughs> she doesn't know she's the last. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I'll release that one day as, uh, a, as a Patreon exclusive. No, you can't. I should talk some people on that. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Greg is uh, referring to a live commentary. That, not a live commentary. It was recorded, but we did it live. At the time. <laughs> we were alive. Alive. <laughs> For a good pal of ours, uh, Catherine Smith is... Smith is... 
<laughs> I'm Kilmer. drunk. Um, uh, for Catherine Smith's birthday one year, uh, me, Camille, and Greg got together and recorded a commentary for The Last Unicorn. And Greg had never seen it. And he was very upset that she didn't know that she was the last unicorn. It was very sad. Yeah. Yeah, it really set the tone for the rest of the movie, which is sad. Mm-hmm. It's a sad movie. Yeah, it's a it very is a sad, sad movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll save that for our uh, oh Bridging the Gap. <laughs> oh, that's great. Jeff Bridges is awesome. You would do. You would be able to do both Trons. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I haven't seen the original Tron. Mm. I haven't seen Tron Prime. Yeah. Um, I don't know uh, how you guys usually like to direct this, the conversations we don't. with guests, but I was wondering yeah, if you wanted to talk a little bit about the Val Kilmer of it all. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, uh, as like a, any note for like the ladies of heat, uh, yeah, I'd agree. They're not great. Two of them have Southern accents that I don't think they have normally. Which ones? I don't know. The two that have them. Uh, Amy Brenneman? Yeah. And, uh, Ashley Judd. It's got like a southern twang. Oh, Ashley Judd has a like, she's she's got southern oh, twang. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed I don't know. It seemed weird. Both of them did. I don't know. They, yeah, they that all is a little kind of seemed the same. That's I a little know, odd. Which is fine. But yeah, you know, it's not about them. That's also might be another commentary on how nobody's from Los Angeles. Ah. Everybody comes there <laughs> as dreamers. Ah, you know? just like ah. how nobody's from London. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because uh, Edie says in her in in the brief moments that we get to know her that she's not from Los Angeles. She came out there mm-hmm. um, right. to to like make a go of it to become mm-hmm. an artist. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we don't know much about um, uh, Ashley Judd's uh, Charlene's uh, past. Mm-hmm. Um, other that other than that, she's Ashley Judd, and mm-hmm. Ashley Judd has a has Southern roots. Mm-hmm. I suppose mm-hmm. so. of the Judd family. Exactly yeah. right. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah, to speak about the Kilmer of it all, Val Kilmer's in this movie. He's fabulous. He is. He's so good in this He's movie. He's great. I it th- seems... Sorry. Oh. 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 It seems, especially because, he, like you said, he just did Batman. Yeah. It seems kind of like a small role for him to take, just in that it's not the lead role. Like, it's not a small role, but, like, it's not the lead. And mm-hmm. it seems unusual looking at his filmography, which is literally up on our wall right now in the mm-hmm. studio. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting seeing him build third after Pacino and De Niro. Mm-hmm. And you got to, like, let's put it into let's put it into context, because 1995 is a really, really cool year, because uh, Pacino had is is fresh off his scent of a woman win Mm -hmm. uh for best actor at the academy awards that's the one where he goes full yelling pacino Mm -hmm. and he never stops Mm -hmm. ever again (laughs) and i hate that well it worked once so yeah yeah exactly that's where that's where he's at right he does glengarry glenn ross in the same year he's nominated for that movie as well wow yeah he's nominated for supporting actor and actor that year and he wins lead (laughs) yeah yeah you know what a year yeah. Uh, I think that's, oh God, when is Scent of a Woman? Is it 90, 90 or 92? Something yeah, like that. Um, so still pretty hot off of that. Uh, De Niro's, uh, got, he's, in a, he's, he's still De Niro at this point. Uh, Goodfellas came out in 1990, mm-hmm. which is like a huge film. So it's like he's only five years removed from that. He's doing some interesting things. I think he did Cape Fear uh, pretty recently. In, Casino? in that mode, I want to say Casino's the 95? same year. Yeah. yeah, and neither of those were Oscar movies. 
Yeah, casino's Which is crazy. Casino's crazy. I've never seen it's, it. It's nuts. It's very good. It's a wild ride. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. You really don't know what to expect with that movie. Yeah. That's one that Greg watched too young. Ah. Mm. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. But I had seen the movie Mafia. You know that parody movie? Oh yeah, with uh, uh, Jay. Jay Moore. Jay Moore, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there was that. There's the opening scene where he goes to his car and it blows up, and I'm like, yeah. "What's that from?" And my friend who I was watching it with was like, "It's from Casino." I'm like, "Well, we got to watch that next." <laughs> and so we watched Casino next. It was better than Mafia. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was it Mafia or was it Mafia? The latter. Exclamation point! <laughs> like mother. <laughs> Shared universe. Mother! <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I think Val Kilmer would have been on my short list for best supporting actor this year in the. Absolutely, I'm. Su- mm-hmm. I'm still so surprised that he hasn't been nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, I think. How did that happen? I think it was one of those things where, like, the Academy does this a lot. They overlook the role that should have been nominated or should have won. Mm -hmm. And then they're just kind of like, yeah, we'll make it up later. Mm -hmm. Not really knowing. I mean, because like if you were to bet that Val Kilmer would still be a big star now in 95, that'd be a safe bet. Yeah. That'd Mm -hmm. be a very safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, life happens. Things change, right? Sometimes you get cancer and things and and things go go wrong for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um. And maybe it just like doesn't. It's not as important to you as it was. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Uh. So I think maybe they snubbed him for the doors. They snubbed him for this, uh, because they were like, ah, he'll, he'll he's he's young. He has a long career he's got ahead of time. him. Right. Mm-hmm. He'll be starring in movies forever. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case. Yeah, yeah that's very true. Because he's super good in the doors. He's even better in this movie. Yeah. Because there's something, and I. I notice. I tried to notice it specifically in this re- in this rewatch, mm-hmm. um, because I mean, like, you can only notice so many things when you watch a movie almost twenty times. It's true. Um, in this one, it was like, okay, what's he doing in this movie? Mm-hmm. And he's doing a lot with very little. Yeah, I think the th- one of the things that I'm like really surprised about Val Kilmer in this movie is how they really downplay how attractive he is. Um, cause like if you, cause th- this was the same year that Batman came out. Mm-hmm. So if you look, if you Months take a picture, earlier. yeah, if you take a look, uh, uh, look at a picture of him from Batman and then a picture of him from heat, it's like, they look like different people. Um, there's just something like sort of like dead behind the eyes of this character, mm-hmm. um, that I think is really, uh, effective, um and like minimal makeup use uh and all of a sudden he's just like transformed and is really yeah it's i i was very impressed with him in this movie they put this beautiful faded scar on his on his eye that's Mm -hmm. that's barely really even noticeable and they never bring it up yeah it feels like a character choice in that case, mm-hmm. yeah. it kind of feels like he and the makeup artist was like, wouldn't that be interesting? Would this guy? And because he is, his character is shown to be that kind of a guy. Yeah. Like more than more so than even De Niro in a lot of ways. He's mm-hmm. the one who is like drop of a hat, rock and roll. Mm-hmm. He's doing it. Yeah. Right. He's the one who shoots the guard on De Niro's order. Yeah. 
at the in the very beginning when when Wayne Grow pops the guy for no reason. Yeah. Like De Niro, like I think Sizemore takes down another one. Yeah. And then uh, Kilmer has him uh, point blank, mm-hmm. and that's the hardest. That's easily the hardest shot to do. And then he looks to De Niro. De Niro just like nods. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. That is a very spooky scene. Yeah. And it's a perfect way to open this movie. You get to see what that what behind the like what's behind those eyes. Yeah. That you're presented with. Right away. Mm-hmm. And like you can you get to see how professional they are and you get to see how well they have this planned. It's literally the perfect crime. Yeah. The only way, the only reason they're found out. Because that fucker Wayne Grove. No, it's because the <laughs> It's because they got lucky. They got lucky. Oh, yeah. Because uh, in the very next scene when Pacino shows up at the crime scene mm-hmm. and he starts, he does exactly what they do, what, what De Niro does, except the cop version. Mm-hmm. He starts ordering people to do this, to do this, to do this. And then as soon as you turn the subtitles on, Camille, mm-hmm. it was in one of the most important lines of the movie. And it was, uh, check the usual fences. That's just jargon for a check the people we know who might sell these bearer bonds. Well, bearer bonds. Exactly right. Um, and he says the names of the of three fences that they know, and mm-hmm. one of them comes back positive. And that's the guy that he goes to, and he's like, did you fall in love last night? Tell me you fell in love, and I'll believe that. And then he starts singing to him when they're at that dogfighting pit, which exists in Los Angeles. What? Yeah, that's exactly how they found it. I don't remember any of that. It's a lot of jargon. It was a lot. Uh, and then he's like, my brother Richard is going to meet you. And then they meet him later at a nightclub. And he's like, I'm telling you, man, this slick is no joke. And that's all Pacino needs. An alias. Slick. Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore leads them to that dinner party where they're where they photograph everyone and put them all under surveillance. And mm. then they're on them. 40 minutes into the movie. <laughs> Crime Saga, indeed. I love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of quotes that I took down during the movie of mostly our commentary uh, (laughs) include Ali, you saying, I want them to remake this movie with Nick Cage and some other asshole. (laughs) And Greg's response, quote, that movie already exists. It's face off. <laughs> I by the end of the movie, I revised that comment to I wish they would remake this movie with present day Nick Cage and then young Nick Cage because I feel like that movie would have been excellent. Ang Lee, get on it. Yeah, come on. Yeah. He's the guy who would do it. Yeah. He's doing it with Smith right now. Yeah. Which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Two Will Smiths. Bam. You know what's all, what's better than that? Three Will Smiths. Three. That's it. That's the only thing that's better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my other favorite quote was a combined effort of when John Voight comes on screen. But like John Voight has a great little like supporting role. Oh, he's totally. excellent in this, in this movie. movie. Um, but he inexplicably looks a, as Ali said, a billion in this movie. And as I responded, he looks like an old lady's hand. <laughs> yeah. In human form. Yeah. This is pre Anaconda. Yes. Oh yeah, that's free. Yeah, that was a good contextualization. Yeah, this is pre Anaconda, John Voight. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
because uh, a podcast that I listened to pointed this out, and it's that he was gone for years. Like the eight, yeah, John Voight was gone for years. The eighties rolled around. They weren't very good to him, so he was like, That's right. he was gone for almost a decade. He did like a supporting role here and there, but nothing really. And then he comes back really in this movie, and then Anaconda, and then he's just John Voight, that guy who yeah. looks like the back of an old lady's hand. Yeah, <laughs> he's a billion. Yeah, I think. <laughs> He's made he of was, nothing but elbow skin. I think he was almost 50. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, almost 60. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Oh, still. Yeah. Oh. I think he was almost 60 when this movie was made, but that's still like, okay, late 50s. Good Lord, I hope I don't look like that. Yeah, no kidding. That's huh. 10 years younger than my mom. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Yeah. But uh, the... Um, can I, I would like to ask you guys about the the action in this movie because mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll I'll mention something uh, a little bit later but um, I just wanted to gauge how you guys felt it was too loud okay Camille mm. <laughs> there was a really exciting uh, car chase mm-hmm. that happened that was really when I started uh, I I uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself into like what we like our cumulative thoughts about the movie, but I will say that for probably the first half of the movie, I hadn't really bought in to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once once car chase rolled around, diner scene action, I was in. But I, I can't exactly pinpoint it. But whatever the slow slide was, by the time diner scene had happened. I was so invested. I was very <laughs> sleepy. Like my body was tired and it would like kind of like, you know, you know, when you get to the point of being sleepy and like every blink is like sweet release where you're like, uh. like I can only imagine that's what slowly dying is like. I'm like, oh, that'll be good. Yeah. Um, where it was like that, but I was so, like so entranced by um, like t- the tying up of all the loose ends of like, oh, it just, everybody's personal lives and 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 uh, finding natalie portman in the tub oh, and yeah. and the conversation yeah. with the white where it was just like at a certain point every single scene i was like so invested and bought into the dialogue to the relationships and i just felt like i was related to every single character i wanted to see what happened when and like action wise the the end of the movie like the tension of the last like like 40 minutes is just uh, I thought it was so excellent. It was so nicely paid off mm-hmm. and like sustained but exciting, mm-hmm. but not like not in a sustained exciting way like the way that like all of the recent Mission Impossible movies are, where you're like, this is bananas. Now now Tom Cruise is is gonna jump from a window and run across and parachute into the Louvre and free dive into a thing, and yeah. it's gonna happen for twenty minutes. Like sustained in like a really like hold your breath kind of way yeah. where like I want to be quiet and pay attention because things aren't necessarily exploding but someone might get shot mm-hmm. and it'll and I care about who's gonna get shot that's yeah. a that yeah um when the bank when the bank robbery scene went down mm-hmm. um one of the most legendary shootout sequences oh, ice yeah. sequences in film history yeah um there's a few things to know one the reason it's so loud those are the real gunshots. I know. Those are the those are the real gunshots that they used in the blanks on the day in downtown Los Angeles. 
there is no can sound effects in in that sequence. Whoa. Um, so the whole idea was that it would the the sound waves would ricochet off of the big uh, downtown buildings in Los Angeles, and it would be a very haunting sound, which is why this the bank robbery scene when Val Kilmer opens fire is mm. n- there the music cue drops out. Yeah, there's no music. Yeah, until until Tom Sizemore picks up that kid. Like while they are running down. Yeah. Um, And that's one of the reasons also (laughs) Michael Mann loves, loves loud guns. Mm -hmm. Not, not like, not like loud guns. He loves the effect of a loud gunshot because guns are loud. They're supposed to be off-putting. They're supposed to be horrifying. You're supposed to be, that's why he shows like the, the, aftermath the carnage that they leave behind with all the the police squad cars just riddled all the hell yeah mm-hmm. you're supposed to feel like good god this is horrible mm-hmm. um and you're that's also supposed to be the moment when you really buy into al pacino mm. because he's the one who's running towards the bad guys with guns and pushing people down to the ground yeah he's really like it's it's really his hero moment even though even though pacino plays this role in such a way that you're like is he a hero? Yeah. And I love him for that. I love that mm-hmm. he plays him that way. I love that he plays him that like throwing people on the ground and running towards the bad guys is just a job. Yeah. It's his job and it's what he has to do. Mm-hmm. And I and it's a it's a really great way to play it. It feels real. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So um but I think the the bank robbery scene is where Val Kilmer really gets a chance to shine. Yeah. Cuz um oh man he could have also been John Wick. Oh, easily. Oh. <laughs> like if 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 things turned out differently. Yeah. If things turned out differently for Val and like I mean, good lord, I would never recast Keanu. Uh, I, oh, of course not. No. I love he's he's sacred. Keanu yeah. is is wonderful. I mean, let's not spoil Reeves me alone. <laughs> I was also trying to think of one. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Yours was better. Mine was bad. But like, you get the sense that he has this in him. Mm-hmm. Like, he really has the physicality in yeah. him. He has that that scene where he reloads the assault rifle mm-hmm. perfectly. Literally textbook. Yeah, he especially in the bank, uh, and I don't know if a lot of it is just like that blonde ponytail, but he mm-hmm. reminded me of like the of like a the third diehard villain, like like oh, Alan yeah. Rickman, Jeremy <laughs> Irons, and then Val Kilmer's like the third brother. Do yeah. you know what I mean? He like, totally could have been. <laughs> like, I feel like that's that's perfect. He could have been like Franz Gruber or something. <laughs> a music prodigy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's a DJ. <laughs> He's a DJ at Bergein. <laughs> you will not He's get your, into Bergein tonight. He's Euro trash. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wish he had more of an action career. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because he just looks so good in those that, that car chase scene that you mentioned, I, I believe is actually like that shootout scene in the cars mm-hmm. at that old movie theater. In the drive-in, like right. when they're going oh, yeah. up and down, that's yes. a drive-in movie theater in Los Angeles. It's oh, an old God. abandoned drive-in oh. movie theater that uh, they just tear apart. Great, 
Yeah, and like that's another moment where you're like, you see him like you see him with the like the 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 bipod yeah. assault rifle, and then he like does like the the tactical mm-hmm. roll, <laughs> just like has perfect form, and it's really, really cool. Yeah, kind of want him to do like a buddy movie where he and Tom Cruise set aside their differences. Yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe that'll be Top Gun too. Mm-hmm. Maverick. Maverick. I hope they. Re- I hope they like before they start really advertising for it. They retitle it with an exclamation mark. Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> Can only be movies that start with M. Yes. <laughs> Everything else is far too aggressive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely right. Um. Yeah. So. What was everyone's favorite uh, moment in the movie, Val-related or otherwise? Because it's a long movie, Mm -hmm. and he is Mm -hmm. kind of in just a lesser percentage of it, in terms of, like, really solo moments, but favorite moment? I think for me, and this, so I've seen Heat, uh, I think maybe, so I saw Heat in, like, pieces when it was on tv as a child it was a super dad movie yeah totally and then i saw it uh with greg a few years ago but one of the where where did you see it in in theaters theaters. yeah we saw it on the big screen it was great did it get re-released yeah it was part of the like the fuck you it's february digital film fest (laughs) oh great um so from before seeing it in theaters, um, there was one scene that I remember really clearly, mm-hmm. um, and it is my favorite scene. And it's when um, Ashley Judd ha- is like in the apartment with the cops, and mm-hmm. Val Kilmer drives up, and he's just gotten the haircut, and he gets out of the car and looks at Ashley Judd, and they have this like really beautiful moment, and then Ashley Judd like gives him the signal that like it's too dangerous you gotta cut loose and there's like this really really amazing moment between the two of them where they're just like saying goodbye to each other with their eyes um yeah and i think that's like one of the most oh it's like the best performance moment of the movie for me that's my oscar moment for him yeah he's he doesn't have a word to say in that scene yeah they don't. They, neither of them do. Yeah. It's just it's so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so, and like he turns around and he looks just different enough to get away. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. the only one who gets away. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And that scene where like Michael Mann just holds on him through the windshield as he drives away into the night and he's just contemplating. Yeah. It's like, what have I done? Yeah. And like it, it just it echoes it echoes a. Um. This. Act, sorry. You. What's, no, that's it. I was what's what's your non favorite Val Kilmer scene? Um. I don't think I have one. Uh. Oh. Non Val Kilmer favorite scene. There. I like the moment in the shipping yard or the mm. cr- like big crater thing where Ooh, the cops yeah. are realizing that these criminals are really smart. Mm. Ooh, and I do also really like the moment um, when they're trying to get where it's like Fowl's drilling in that warehouse and then mm-hmm. um, Robert De Niro is standing outside of the thing and then he hears a noise and it's just this super tense moment where like Al Pacino is looking at the screen and Robert De Niro is like in the shadows but you can just see his like weird he- like heat vision face mm-hmm. um, and like that moment it's so tense um 
Yeah, I think that's maybe my favorite non-Val Kilmer scene. Mm. That's a great scene. They both look at each other and they both know. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And yeah. that's just, we're walking. Yeah. We yeah. walk. Oh, I love that. I love that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, I'm there. We walk. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, this time around, it was non-Val Kilmer. Mm-hmm. Well, Val Kilmer's involved in this in this sequence, but um, he's not he's not the prominent part of this sequence. It's the um, it's the it's it's the whole armored car robbery and the follow up scene where Pacino mm-hmm. comes in, and it's just like, look how good these guys are at what they do, mm-hmm. and then Pacino and his detectives come in, and it's like, look how good these guys are, yeah, and it immediately sets up these two crews fighting each other. Mm-hmm. These are the guys. These are the guys. And it's, I just thought it was like, I think it's so well written without, without even really explaining anything. The whole movie is right there Yeah. in those, in that, in those first couple of minutes. It's just great. My favorite Val Kilmer specific moment is his, um, his conversation with De Niro after uh, he sleeps on his floor. Mm. Uh, because I think that leads right into the very ending of the film because it's the first time you hear De Niro's mantra where it's like don't have any attachments to anything that you can't walk away from in 30 Mm -hmm. seconds flat Mm -hmm. and then he says for me the sun rises and sets with her Mm -hmm. and it's like oh I believe that I do you guys have a weird and dysfunctional dysfunctional relationship but I do believe that you both care deeply for each other. Yeah. And I do believe that you're both very in love. And if you didn't believe that, their performances in that final scene mm-hmm. really sell it. Yeah. You really, truly believe that the sun rises and sets with her for Val. Mm-hmm. And that the the re, like the fact that he has to walk away kills him. Yeah. So, like, does he really make it? Right? He makes it physically. But, yeah. like, what has he lost? I mean, they could meet up again in Mexico. Someday. Someday. Yeah. Camille? Camille. In the sequel, cold. <gasps> they they go to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, my, my favorite Val moment is also that kind of goodbye. Yeah. It's a lot of things, and it's being wrapped up right at the movie, and it's very tense, and there's uh, kind of like a secondary moment a couple minutes later when they're like, we are like, he got away. And then they're like, we're going to stop the car and check him out. And you're like, oh, fuck. It's just like Robert De Niro. Like, he almost got away. But then, ha, 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 he had a, a really good fake ID, fake registration anyway. So he does get away, yeah. even though there is like a checkpoint there. And you're like, oh, shit, that was so close. Yeah, John um, Boyd set him up just fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, I, yeah, I would say that's my... Probably my favorite Val moment. And then um, for favorite non-Val moment, uh, I do really like that moment when they're, pardon me, breaking in. And the 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 moment where the guy in the, like the cop guy, like sits <laughs> down in the truck and it's so quiet. And he just fucking derps it and like bangs <laughs> against the thing. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, fuck. And it's just that little like, ooh, this doofus just slipped a little bit. But everybody's smart, and so yeah. Robert De Niro's like, "Oh no, no, I know that 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 slip in the these the, like these trailers across the street. He knows. He yeah. already knows." Yeah. 
if I remember correctly, it is that scene where I actually, when I when I was watching this movie for the first few times, where I was like, this is the scene where I really buy in on Al Pacino mm-hmm. as his, uh, like, and who his character is, because he's like, I have tactical command, which supersedes your rank. Mm-hmm. They will walk and you will let them. Fuck. And he just throws the radio down. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I hate that I have to do this. I hate that I have to say this, but your guy made me do it. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then my other my other favorite kind of micro moment was I think I, don't, I actually don't remember the context of it, but I wrote down the quote because I was like, "Ooh, I really like that uh, piece of dialogue." It just like caught my ear in a really interesting way. And I think it's Al Pacino's wife who says it to Al, uh, and she says, "You don't live with me. You live with the remains of dead people." Mm. I just really like that. I'm like, "Ooh, it's yeah. a good line. That's great." That was in when they were in the restaurant, right? I don't remember. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Where he says, "I, I like, I gotta hold on to my angst. I preserve it. Keeps me sharp on the edge where I gotta be." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he brings up a decent point. She brings up a better one. Yeah. Right. It's like it's not where you gotta be. It's where you choose to be. Yeah. Mm. You know, you can do something else. But then he says it in the diner scene. Yeah. I don't know how to do anything else. I don't much want to either. Yeah. And De Niro yeah. says the same thing. Neither do I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, that's obviously my favorite scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to pick something different than that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be predictable. Yeah. 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 That's clearly one of the best scenes ever. Yes. Yeah. Just. It's very good. Just ever. Because mm-hmm. like they both just quiet down so much. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. Pacino. He's like, okay, I'm going to quiet down. And in the little special feature at on the DVD it tells you how many times they did that scene and I think it was only a dozen okay. they, they, they went through the scene a dozen times mm-hmm. and I think most of the takes are taken from take two and take seven okay hmm. wow lucky number two yeah mm-hmm. um, so like they really hit a stride in a uh, second time around and then like did a couple more times and then like I'm probably where, where the monologues come from is like the mm-hmm. se- is like the Take seven or so. Right. Cool. Yeah. Well, what would uh, everyone rate 1995's uh, Heat? What would you give it? I would give it uh, uh, eight out of ten ponytails. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nice. I I would also I would give it eight pagers out of ten <laughs> ten payphones. <laughs> I would give it ten out of ten. Great asses. <laughs> <laughs> ten great asses out of ten great heads all the way up. <laughs> my favorite uh, thing about that scene is Hank Azaria's reaction. Oh my gosh, just, he's so funny. Yeah, just, Jesus. <laughs> oh. Apparently that's his like, legitimate reaction. Yeah, uh, that would be mine too yeah. if Al Pacino was yelling at me. Uh, you oh man this time around i want i was waiting to see it because he's 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 saying the b part of big and he switches like in the thought to great he's you can see him saying it he, he's going to say because she's got a big ass mm-hmm. and then he switches while the b is forming in his mouth he's got a she's got a great ass <laughs> 
It's she's almost got a, what it is. She's got a barrel bone. Barrel bone. It's Toretto, Brian. It's always been Toretto. <laughs> Cheapers. <laughs> Put the lotion in the barrel bones. <laughs> Through. If you like this and you'd like to hear more, tune into our Ted Levine cast. Oh boy! Uh, uh, I'm a Ted mean, like me. clean Levine machine. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Levine on the edge. Ooh. Very oh, yeah. nice. Levine on the edge of glory. Yep. No, yours. <laughs> she left it here. She left it at yours. Great. Uh. D- uh, uh <laughs> Uh, Heat would recommend. Yeah. Uh, Bye. Uh, Next time on the podcast, (laughs) we will be looking at the final chapter of the Sizemore saga. 1993's True Romance, which is also Val Kilmer's highest rated movie, according to Rotten Tomatoes. What is this Mm. movie's Rotten Tomatoes score? It is uh, 86. 86. That is about 14% too low. Oh, I saw... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we have written we have on our in a, in the studio uh we have all we have a printout of all of Val Kilmer's um movies with their rotten tomato scores by them and so heat is right on top of Batman Forever and I was like oh Batman Forever is rated 88% it's higher mm. it's higher rated than heat it is not it is 38% yeah oh. That's also about 30% too low. I agree. That yeah. movie should be fresh. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it's one of those movies that now in 2019 we can look back at and being like, "Oh, we were so selfish." Yeah. Look at what we had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at what we had. We had we had filmmakers who were insane, like Joel yeah. Schumacher taking risks on Batman. Yeah. And it's like, "Oh, Good. Great. Great. And it's a legitimate take on the character. I don't like Batman and Robin. I still stand by that. But Batman Forever, I think, is very entertaining. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What's not to love? Exactly right. Mm -hmm. It's got like three actors in that movie who are at the peak of their career. Absolutely. And Nicole Kidman... Nicole Kidman is just is just on the rise. It's crazy how good, like how how like how much more of a star she's gonna be in like two years. Yeah, she's gonna go into a hole for two years and make a movie with Stanley Kubrick. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great movie though. <laughs> Which is all filmed on a soundstage. All of it. Yeah. Unlike complete this opposite. Movie. Yeah, it's complete the opposite. opposite. Yeah. Yeah. What's the opposite of heat? Eyes wide shut. Didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that's accurate. Yeah, yeah it's in New York. Yeah, if Stanley Kubrick had made Heat, he'd still be making it. They'd that's still be doing true. that diner scene. <laughs> They'd still be doing it. Jesus Christ, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we never saw Al Pacino again. Yeah, I mean, it's probably be released in pieces or something. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, tune in next time for 1993's True Romance. I am very excited for you guys to watch that movie. Me too. I've never seen it. Well, Same. Yeah. Do, I, you, do you know Val Kilmer's role in it? 
No. no uh, don't spoil it. Yeah, we want to go up. in blind. All right. I keep uh, confusing it with True Lies. Me too. Great. Which one is Jamie Lee Curtis? True Lies. True Lies is Jamie Lee Curtis and Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is not the other Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that I also confuse it with Total Recall. I get I get Total Recall and True Lies mixed up. Sharon Stone. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg, while you're here, is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh, sure. I mean, check out Two Bad Neighbors, a Simpsons podcast. That's oh, not a... other podcasts oh. that are competition. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, no. they're on the same network. Ha, 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 ha. If we are to achieve our ultimate goal of becoming number one on the Boathouse Studios podcast, you need to shut the fuck up. I would also, because because your 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 podcast is like has more listeners than some of my other ones, maybe I'll, I'll plug those ones. All right, we're down for charity. Okay. Thank you. So <laughs> never mind. Never mind two bad neighbors. Um, unless you really want to, in which case that'd be great. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> Shut the Val Kilmer up. Oh God, you're so much. Um, and I was going to say why Academy. Um, we just wrapped because our. Because I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> the Why Academy podcast is an improvised podcast about uh, superheroes and would-be superheroes. Camille, you were just on our season two finale. Mm-hmm. So if you want to check that one out, all of season one and two is currently available on the Boathouse Studios feed. Um, it's basically the only podcast other than the Cinevals that's been coming out regularly um, for the past couple of months so just check out the boathouse studios feed and you'll see it right in between red planet and this one <laughs> great yeah yeah that's that's a that's about it great yeah yeah well uh thanks for tuning in for part two of the sizemore saga mm-hmm. uh, we didn't even talk about him why he, would we? Who wants to talk about? <laughs> it's not a Sizemore he, podcast. Yeah, he he did not. He aged a lot in the five years between uh, Heat and yeah and uh, Red Planet. Oof. He's he was looking pretty rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looks like a different person. Yeah. He looks like his own father. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wonder how old he'll look in True Romance. I know older or younger. I I don't know. I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say? We'll find out next mm-hmm. time on The, the Cinevals. Cinevals.